Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the North Point Community Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free North Point app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at North Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, North Point. Uh, As Holly said, my name is Zach Tenner, and I have the privilege of leading high school students right here at North Point Community Church. And uh, man, it is a joy uh, to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I actually came into this role earlier this year, and when I say I get to see some of the most incredible things week in and week out in the lives of so many high school students, man, I I would be remiss if the first thing I didn't say to, to everyone in this room is thank you. Thank you. I know some of you have students in our ministry. I know so many of you pray for our ministry. I know so many of you give faithfully to our church. And uh, I can just say that I get a front row seat to seeing uh, some of the dollars that you guys give to this church turn into salvations of students and turn into just so much life change in the lives of high school students here at North Point. And so, man, I am excited to be here with you this morning. A little bit about me is I'm originally from Indiana. Uh, I am married to my amazing wife, Crystal. Uh, We've been married for about three and a half years now. And man, she is absolutely positively the better tenor in our family. Uh, I actually had someone come up to me a couple weeks ago and say just that. Like, I met Crystal. She's so awesome. She's definitely the better tenor. I'm like, you're not arguing with me. That's how I lead. She is incredible. But uh, she's awesome. She works here at North Point as well. Um, and together we have a son named Zay. I think we have a picture of our family on the screen. Gosh, we look good, don't we? Um, no, uh, but man, we have a really awesome family. Zay's awesome. He's one year old, one years old, and he's probably wreaking havoc in Wamba land right now, which is really great. But uh, one of the things you may not even know about our church is that uh, we have an amazing program during the week for the kids of people who are on staff here at North Point. There's a lot of amazing teachers uh, who put on something called weekday every day during the week for uh, staff kids here at North Point. And they had a program last week for, it was kind of like this Thanksgiving program presentation type thing. And Crystal was texting me like, this is my first mom moment. Like Zay's up there, so awesome. Uh, And then I had someone come to me afterward, one of our coworkers, and he said, Zach, did you hear what Zay did? Which is a terrifying thing to hear. I'm like, what did he do? I don't know. Uh, But he said that his daughter, who's also in Zay's class, was sitting in a seat and a couple boys, I'm sure not maliciously, came up and asked uh, for him, asked for her to move. And apparently Zay like stood up, puffed out his chest and was like, no, which is really cool until you realize he only knows like five words. Like I had this real proud down pad moment. I'm like, well, he just as easily could have stood up and been like dog, like woof, woof. Like that's the, he's real big into the woof, woof sound right now. But uh, man, our family is awesome. Like I said, I love what I get to do here at North Point, but, but way more than that, I love uh, my favorite roles of being Crystal's husband and being Zay's dad. But I am so glad to, to be here this morning because I get to talk about something that's deeply personal for me. You see, there uh, was this passage of scripture that honestly, if I'm I'm being real with you guys this morning, it changed my life. 
Like, like in a very real way, I could have seen the trajectory that my life was going, but then because of this passage of scripture, I'm not kidding, my life had a complete 180. Everything began to change for me, change the trajectory of my story. But the crazy thing is, is that this passage of scripture, it changed so much about my life before I could have ever told you where it was at in the Bible. Like it changed my life before I ever knew how to flip to get to it. It changed everything before it was something that I knew in my head or anything like that. But it changed my life, not because I knew it or I believed it, but it changed my life because someone else did. Because someone else took these words in the scripture so literally and lived them out so beautifully that it changed my life. And so this morning, as we, as we get started, I want to talk a little bit about church history, which is why I know so many of you got up this morning to hear the youth pastor talk about church history. But uh, I'm excited because uh, we talk about this event that changed the course of human history about the resurrection of Jesus. Like we talk about this all the time. It's the reason that we are gathered here today. But there were some moments after the resurrection in the book of Acts that I want to focus on this morning. You see, right after the resurrection uh, in Acts chapter one, we see Jesus have this uh, encounter with his disciples and they're just kind of hanging out. And he's like, hey, I know you're here right now, kind of just chilling, but there's actually something that I have for you and your life. There's something I have for you in your story. And in Acts 1.8, Jesus actually says, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so a little bit of that translation, he's just saying, you guys just witnessed something amazing and you are going to be the witnesses of that in to the rest of the world. And so in Acts chapter two, we see what was being talked about by Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes in this powerful way. And when the Holy Spirit comes, Peter, one of the disciples, begins to preach this amazing sermon. And it says 3,000 people say yes to Jesus. So we're going to read that together in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. It says this. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and to those far away. I'm so thankful the promise was for those far away. All who have been called by the Lord, our God. In verse 40, it says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Somebody on the back row in 2023 said amen to that part. Uh, And then verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. And so this is so much of our heritage. Peter 
preaches this amazing message and 3,000 people say yes to Jesus. And I'm so thankful that the resurrection had that much power then, but we still get to see the power of the resurrection even today. Like I said, I get a front row seat to life change. Even earlier this month, we took all of our high school students on a retreat. And when I say, man, I got to have a front row seat to seeing so many students take hold of their faith in a new way, even seeing students say yes to Jesus for the very first time. And that is because of the power of the resurrection. And so the resurrection had so much power then, but man, I'm so thankful that it still has power today and that it's still changing lives today. It's still changing stories and even eternities today. But I wonder For those students, even earlier this month, who said yes to Jesus for the first time, I wonder if it was like that for the first 3,000, where you have this moment where Jesus uh, just so powerfully becomes real in your life. And I wonder if they've ever had that moment or when they're going to have that moment, okay, like, okay, what's, what's next? I know that for me, I, I had that moment. It's like you, Jesus becomes real to you and it's all this amazing things and then real life begins to happen and then we just kind of get caught up in the routine of life and some of the fire starts to fade away a little bit. But I wonder, I know this is true for me, it's so easy to, to, to disconnect from what the purpose is of why we're even gathered here and, and the purpose of what it means that we follow Jesus. Because what I wanna say is that Jesus has something for each and every one of us when we say yes to following him. Because it's an amazing journey that we get to go on for the rest of our lives. And the very first thing that happens after these 3,000 people say yes to Jesus, we see the birth of the church. And so we're going to read in Acts 2.42 a little bit of what it was like when the church first began. And in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then verse 44 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. It says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's our heritage. That's what happened when the the church first began. And man, we get to be a part of just an absolutely incredible church Man, I remember when I first came here on staff, I remember one of the things my wife and I talked about is, man, there's just so many amazing resources that we have as a church. It's like somebody's coming up here every single week and talking about something new that we have for you, regardless of your season of life. And man, our church gets to be a part of some really, really great things. But but I know for me, sometimes it's so easy for me to overcomplicate what the church is about. 
It's so easy for me to, to, to get caught up in the weeds sometimes. I don't know if it's like that for you, but I know it's sometimes like that for me. But I find so much comfort and it's so refreshing that even when the church first began, there were four things that they said, hey, here's what we're going to be devoted to. Like, like there were four things like, hey, if, if we miss some other things, we've got to make sure we don't miss this. There were four core things that they were like, this is what we are about. And those four things that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, the, the teachings of Jesus, they said, we are going to be devoted to this. They, they were devoted to, to fellowship. They were, they were hanging out. They were spending time with one another. It says that they were devoted to the breaking of bread. They would share meals together. And the last thing it says is that they were people who were devoted to prayer. Just four things. Four of the can't miss things that we have the opportunity to still join in on today. They were devoted to four things. And I I wonder what it's like if we were devoted to those things as well. And I know so many of us are. But even that word devoted, it's not a word that we're just using every day because, man, the the word devoted is something that we only use that's really attached to things that are really important in our lives. Even when we use that word devoted, it's usually uh, attached to to some kind of, uh, of purpose. And the reason why being devoted is hard is because being devoted to something takes time. And I think we would all say there's very few things in our life that are more valuable than our time, which is why it is so amazing that the church in its infancy from its start, they're like, there are four things that we are going to be devoted to. And then it goes on and it says that all the believers were together. And they had everything in common. And this is so important because there is an idea of togetherness and unity. And the more uh, that I remember reading through parts of the New Testament, it's like there is this massive theme that the church has to be together and the church has to be united. I mean, Jesus has has a prayer, I believe it's in uh, John 17, where he's just praying for unity and he's just praying for togetherness for the disciples and eventually for the church. And I think the reason that happens is because when the church stays together, the movement that is the church gets that much better. And and, and I don't wanna get it twisted at all because Jesus is very clear. He says, even the gates of hell won't be able to stop the church. But when we stay, you get together as the church, man, we get to see some of the most incredible things on the planet when the church stays united and when the church stays together. But it takes a commitment to believing something that is sometimes maybe difficult to believe for some of us. And it takes a commitment to believing that the church is a family worth dying for. At least it was to Jesus. One of the awesome things uh, about 
Jesus obviously going to a cross and dying for our sins. Ultimately, first and foremost, it was because we're sinners and God is holy. He's perfect. And the only way we could have a relationship with him was if Jesus came and provided that sacrifice. But a byproduct of that, a byproduct of Jesus going to the cross was so that the church would be a family. So many times we use that phrase, blood is thicker than water, which is uh, so true in in so many ways. But uh, I want you to know this morning that we have been bonded together by the blood of a savior. We've been bonded together by the blood of Christ, by the blood of Jesus. We have been bonded together as a family. I mean, you can even just look around this room and if you just went across the room and talked to somebody random and got their story, you'd probably see how different your lives are, such diversity in how people grew up, diversity in families in so many different ways. And it's like, we're all here together because of what Jesus has done. And I even think about, uh, I have a a really great small group that I'm a part of at this church and Dylan and Mary Alice are are leaders and they do such an amazing job. But I think about even a few weeks ago, there are these moments where we began to share our stories. And as we share our stories, I'm just sitting there looking around the room, hearing about so many different backgrounds and things like that. And I'm like, where else would I have ever crossed paths with these people if it wasn't for the church? And the church being a family because we've been bonded together by the blood of a savior. And for me, this is something that is uh, deeply personal to me because of my story. Because growing up, uh, there were a lot of different complications in my family. There's so much in my family that I love uh, so, so, so much, but if you asked any one of them, they would tell you that we didn't have the easiest time growing up. To, to be more specific, I'm, I'm from Indiana. I have a, had a mom, a dad, three older brothers, and a younger sister. And so we had a, a decently sized family growing up. But I remember there were these moments where like my dad and my family, like we were actually looked at like as this model family by so many people in our community. Like I, like I remember there were people who looked at us and they're like, man, the Tenor family, that's the family that has it all together. We need to be like them. Like we were that family that people looked at. But if you asked anyone inside of my house, I can almost guarantee you they would all say the perception on the inside was very different than what people saw on the outside. Because if I'm being honest with you, the, a lot of my family and childhood growing up was marked by uh, different abuse that was happening in my family, particularly from my dad. And I, I even remember when I was in third grade, so we're talking like eight, nine years old, I remember waking up and just the first thing I was told when I woke up at eight, nine years old was that my dad was in the hospital and that my oldest brother was now in a juvenile detention facility. And I just remember like being that little kid, uh, just having to reconcile that in my head to the point of, I I just thought, okay, well, this is what life is going to be. It wasn't too long after that, my parents ended up getting a divorce. And by the time I was in middle school, my dad had remarried and he moved away and I didn't see him a ton throughout the rest of my childhood. My oldest brother ended up going to prison and he's still there today. And so when I say, by the time I got to high school, there wasn't a lot of hope in my story. 
Like when I, by the time I got to high school, there, there, there wasn't a ton of things that I was looking at that I'm like, man, I can do whatever I want to do. I can be this or that. Like I didn't see too much far beyond just today. But as I was in that story, something happened uh, that began to change my life. And if you asked me at the time, I probably would have said it was a pretty small thing, a pretty minuscule thing. I didn't think it would have had uh, that big of a deal on my life. But I was at a Baptist church, small Baptist church in Indiana. We're talking like on a good Sunday, maybe a hundred people that were there. Uh, I'm even thinking the, the youth group was like sixth through 12th grade. We had maybe 10, 15 kids that were showing up and then something happened. And what happened was that my church hired this youth pastor part-time. When they hired him, uh, he, like I said, he was working part-time. He was newly married. He was 26 years old. I literally was married like a couple months at this time. And he had to work another job just to make ends meet and supplement his income, like so many amazing youth pastors, even in our country today. But he, when I say all that to say, he didn't really have an obligation to go too far beyond what his job description would have been. But we actually clicked very quickly. And his name's Nathan. And I remember Nathan and I, uh, we just developed a special relationship. But I remember different points in my life. It was like, he was just there. Like every single football game I played in high school, like he, he's there. My family didn't have a lot of money. So anytime I was around him and whether it be the youth group going out to eat or uh, maybe I was just going out to eat with him and his family, like he would pay for my meals. Like he was just there time and time and time again. And when I think about him, like he was the first example that I ever saw of how a godly man treats his spouse and how a godly man treats his kids and how he loves the Lord. And, and I remember so distinctly by the time I got to the end of high school, I, I was thinking about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I, I couldn't get past, man, I want to do what Nathan does. And so I remember we had conversations about it and I went away um, to, to school for a couple of years and moved back home because financially it made more sense. And by that time he had gotten a job at another church and he hired me uh, part-time to work at that church. And it was in 2014. But what I want you to know is that 2014 uh, was also one of the hardest years in my entire life. There were some things as I moved back home that had happened that were out of my control, uh, but the result was that I think throughout 2014, I lived in five different places throughout the course of that year. And I don't know if it's just blind faith I had or if it was ignorance, I don't know what it was, but I never for a second had to question whether or not God was going to come through. And the reason why I never questioned that was because the church kept showing up in my life time and time and time again. Literally to the point, like I remember like so vividly, I'd gotten my undergraduate degree and then it was this church of, of made up of so many incredible people who believed in me enough that they were going to pay so much of me to go to seminaries, to get a master's degree and all of these things. And so like, this is so deeply personal to me because in my life, when I thought I was forgotten, it was the church who was there to pick me up. When I needed that support in my life, it was the church who showed up time and time and time again 
again. It was the church who saw things in me when I couldn't see it in myself. It was the church who gave me that accountability. They called me to a higher standard. They were there time after time, even though I continued to mess up. It was the church. And if you want to know why this passage means so much to me, it's because there were people in my story like Nathan who believed the church was a family. His wife, Erica, believed the church was a family. The the Grimm family believed the church was a family. Reed believed the church was a family. The Effinger family, the Mattingly family, so many people that intersected with my story who believed the church was not a building and it wasn't a seat to sit in, but that the church was a family. And I can say so confidently, I would not be here this morning if it wasn't for the church who continued to show up time after time after time in my life. And so when I even think about those four things the church was devoted to, like it it means so much more to me because I I think about somebody like Nathan and when, when it talks about they were devoted to the teachings of Jesus, he taught me so much about Jesus. Like there there was always that fellowship. We were together all the time. When we talk about breaking bread, we had so many meals together, and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he and his wife were always praying for me. That was what the church is all about. And it's still what the church is all about and what the church is meant to be. And so maybe, I I don't know, you could be uh, somewhere in this room and maybe you feel like you're forgotten. Man, I want to tell you, there is a God who sees you And not only does he see you, but he cares for you. And one of the many ways that he's able to show that love and that care is through the people who are even in this room right now. And and maybe you might be in this room and it's like church has just kind of become that routine. Like this is just what we do. What I would, man, what I would beg of you and plead of you, don't take the church for granted Do not take the church for granted. I I can't take it for granted. I I won't take it for granted because it's the church. It's the reason that I'm even here before you this morning. I don't have a choice but to believe that the church is this amazing family. But what I love about God is that God has this amazing sense of humor because the the church interacted with my story when I was in high school and now I get to be on the other side of seeing so many stories of high school students having their life intersect with the power of the church. Every Sunday afternoon at at 4.30, we have hundreds of high school students that come together from from all over our area. And there are also this amazing group of well over 100 small group leaders who show up week after week after week. And they don't show up because they believe that it's just this, this thing that happens on Sunday night. But we have a group of leaders and volunteers who have decided, no, 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 the church is a family. And they get to be that family to so many of these high school students. 
I think we have a, a couple pictures just to, to illustrate a, a couple of these groups. Uh, for some reason, I'm in these pictures. I wish I could Photoshop myself out because it has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with leaders like Austin and, and Dylan and, and Don and, and so many others. Jake's not even in that picture. I mean, there's so many people who have intersected their lives and the lives of these students because they believe that the church is a family. And this picture right here uh, means a whole lot every time I look at it. If you see the guy in the red, his name's Michael. He has a great co-leader by the name of JC. Uh, but Michael, um, rocking that Georgia gear like everybody in the South seemingly, but uh, he's an incredible guy. And I, this picture is so special to me because of some of the circumstances that surrounded it. A couple months ago, I know that we all got the opportunity to be a part of some Be Rich projects where we get to go serve our community in such a beautiful and a powerful way. But what we got to do uh, with our high school students and Inside Out is we had each of those groups sponsor some teachers from a local high school and they made these uh, really cool gift baskets and we got to deliver some of those last week and it was really cool just seeing how appreciative and grateful they were. But that picture of Michael was taken right after he took a ton of his guys over to Target and spent a bunch of money to go get uh, these teachers gifts. And I don't even know if he realizes it, but man, the, the things that he's modeling for those students about who the church gets to be is going to be something that they never forget. And then right after they went shopping for their Be Rich project, he went to that high school football game uh, and paid for a bunch of his kids to, to be able to go. And once they were, were in there at the end of the game, that's when that picture was taken. And it's even so cool to be able to look at this picture because he has a couple guys that were on opposing teams that were playing each other that night. But what I love so much about this picture is that even bigger than uh, a rivalry in a football game is this group of students recognizes that there is a deeper and a more important team that they're a part of. And there's a family that they're a part of called the church. And this is what happens when the church is devoted to the right thing. This is what happens when we're able to get this right. And what I love is the same way I'm able to talk about Nathan and so many people who had this huge impact on my life is that there are going to be high school students who when they're going through things in life, the highs and the lows, when they're going through hard things and when they're going through things as amazing as their wedding day, they're not going to talk about me. They're going to talk about those people who show up week in and week out to love them in such a, just a beautiful way. And I know the church gets a bad rap. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. We're all imperfect people trying to serve a perfect God. And you can put me at the, the front of that imperfect line. But man, if you wanna know what happens when the church gets this right, it's right in the last verse we read together at the end of Acts chapter two. It says, and the Lord added to their number Daily, those who were being saved. And I know 
that it's easy when we see a verse like that. It's like we weren't, we weren't there back then. We didn't get to see the 3,000 people that were saying yes to Jesus. We didn't get to see the church in that stage. But that verse is so deeply personal for me because when I read that the church was adding to their number daily, that, that number isn't a general word for me, but that number I know that I'm included in. And I'm ultimately included in it, yes, because of, of what Jesus did for, for all of us on the cross. But I know that I'm specifically in that number because the church showed up for me and it changed my life. And so when I think about that passage of scripture and when I say it changed my life, it changed my life because I realized the church is a family worth dying for. Because to me, the church will never be a building, but it will always be a family. And that family, it changed my life. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Um, for the church. Thank you for sending your son. Um, and when you sent Jesus, you provided a way, yes, for us to, to be back to you, which is the most amazing thing ever. But I'm so thankful that because of his blood, because of the blood of Jesus, we have been bonded together as a family that is the church. And it's so easy for me to, to stand up here because I, I've seen the power of the church in my life. I've seen uh, Nathan in my life who helped be the church and change my life. But Lord, I just wanna say thank you right now for all the Nathans who are out there who just love people so well, whether it's students here or whether it's people in general. Father, I'm so thankful that you have just impressed on the heart of people like him to just love in such a radical and a reckless way that doesn't always make sense. I'm sure as a 26-year-old newly married man, it didn't make sense to love a 14-year-old the way that he did, but he did anyway. And I know that that is what the church is supposed to be. And God, we thank you so much, even for this room of people. We get to be a part of such an amazing and an incredible church. Thank you for all the people who are sitting in these seats, who get to go out into their communities and they get to show what the church is all about. It's not all about the negative headlines we read, but we get to be a part of some of the most amazing things that happen on planet earth. God, thank you for the church. God, thank you that you cared so deeply about the church that, man, you even sent your son so that we could be together in a room like this today. And so, God, we say thank you. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the church. And we ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.